sex and the relationships that you want. Today, we're going to talk about destigmatizing STDs, STIs, and also how to talk to partners about it. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen. Joining me today, we have my wife, Kimberly. Hi. And Brandy. Hi. And Ava is out this week. She's out doing very important stuff, and so she's getting paid, <laughs> paid, paid time off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unpaid time off. We don't offer paid time off here. <laughs> yeah, okay, on, on, that's true. It's all, it's all volunteers, all unpaid time off. So, um, so uh, we're going to jump jump right into it. Okay, so uh, one of the things, Brandy, you talked a couple weeks ago, uh, did a very thorough thing about like STDs, STIs, what the differences are, things people should know and watch for and look for. Um, and we're actually getting some feedback on that episode, and it's like we've got pretty good numbers, I think, for it. So that's kind of good to know that people are really oh, interested. Good. In I it. was so concerned it was going to be like too dry or or medical terms, and you know, not as enjoyable, I guess. But I, yeah, I think people listen to it because they know it's important. You know, yeah, which is which is great. Sure. It's yeah. great. So we, we Ava and I were talking. You know, we really want to do like a follow up episode on it because. One, there's a lot of uh, stigma. We want to destigmatize STDs, STIs. There's a lot of stuff. Like when I was younger, um, I found like you get certain perceptions or whatever. And then as time goes on, a lot of progress is made. And, um, you know, like AIDS is is a great example, which I'll talk Mm -hmm. about a little bit later on. But it's like there's so much stuff that's going on now that there's not, most of these things can be handled with. And you can usually, you know, have a partner that has an, an STD, STI, and it's not really an issue, but we want to talk about how to destigmatize that. The mm-hmm. second portion of what we really want to talk about is like, how do you have those conversations with partners? So how do mm-hmm. you, you know, bring up your own stuff that you might be dealing with um, and have it where it's not going to be scary to the other person? And then the same thing is like, how do you talk to somebody else and be able to kind of get the information that you want and need from them in a way that makes them feel comfortable and safe and, and that they tell you honest honest answers. You know? right. So um, I'm going to start by sharing a little bit of uh, past history, I guess, about, about me. So years ago, after my divorce, there was uh, somebody I was start kind of dating, starting to date, you know, I could, anyway. And we got to a certain point where it was like, okay, we might do something, you know, sexual. So I remember... For me, my style was just sort of like to ask. It was like, I was just like, hey, you know, not to change the subject or anything, but, you know, let me ask you about like your your sexual health and safety and things like that, you know. And mm-hmm. I had been, had gone and I had my tests, you know, done. And I just did this just because I kind of felt like it was supposed to be responsible, right? And if you're in the dating scene, then you should do it every, I don't know, you have to decide, but it's like, you know, four months, six months, what, whatever is right for you. Um, Brandy, do you have anything you want to add on that? Like what's the right time period? If you're, if you're just in the dating scene, you're kind of potentially being with other partners. What, what's a typical time so period to wait? I, there are some people, it depends on your comfort level and your other partner's comfort level. So there are some people that will get tested, um, right before, um, initiating or beginning any type of sexual activity with a new partner and require that of that partner as well. Um, and then there's other arrangements where it can be like if you add in another new partner that you are going to be with and then you and I are going to be together then that new partner that's coming in needs to also have like an STD screen as well um and so it can get a little bit snowball effect mm-hmm. so it's really about more communication of this is where I'm at this is where you're at just keep me informed of when you add new partners if it's um 
safest sex possible, like with condoms and protection and dental dams or what type of activity you're having outside of me so that then I can make an informed decision about my body based on what you've done with your body with other people. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. That makes sense. Um, and for, for me personally, my style has not been to like be sleeping with a bunch of people at the same time. I usually is like so-and-so that I'm interested, at least back then anyway, so-and-so is who I'm interested in. And that's, you know, so when I would have a new partner or something like that, usually I would make sure I would go out and get tested. Okay. Right. So I had, I had my tests and, um, I wanted them to be available. So I made sure I had a photo of the tests and the results, things like that. Cause you know, being nerdy and whatever. So it was like, I could have the conversation. And I remember kind of being like, look, it's, you know, this is my report and, you know, I've got this thing here. And I was like, that's just me. You know, do, is there anything in your history that I should know about or that we need to, um, be aware of and take into consideration? And she came forward and said that she had had tested positive for herpes, you know, and it was, I'm going to say years before, you know, but it was still something that, that she had. So I did not know all the stuff about herpes, right? So I did not freak out. I said, that's cool. Thanks for telling me or whatever. And then I think I did Google searches, you know, and I did my research sure. to try to find out like what, you know, what, how risky is this? What, what do I need to know? And, and I almost recommend that too. If you find that a partner has something, I would say like, go do the research because new things do come out, you know, and the information website does. website is what I would recommend over Google. Like oh, the okay. website is a great resource for that's, up-to-date that's STD, good. STI information. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but we, it got us into having a good conversation, you know, and what I learned for that one is like, you know, she's had it, it was like so long ago and the longer you have it, your viral load goes down, it's never going to go away, but it like goes down. And we, we just agreed in the end to just wear, you know, for me to wear a condom and that, mm -hmm. and that was that, but that conversation mm -hmm. went well and it was, and I think I could tell that she was a little nervous about it because here you have to like expose yourself, you know, that you're not whatever perfect yeah. you know right. and um but but it was like it was a good conversation and i think in the end the other thing i want to say is like if you're doing this stuff if you're being responsible and you're having those conversations it's attractive you know and it's attractive because one you're being responsible two you're brave enough to like have the conversations you know it's not going to hurt you at, at all to do it and mm -hmm. the, if you have a, something to you know share with somebody else it's like the same thing, you're being open and forward, you're taking care of them, all that really should be attractive. Even if they get nervous for a minute, if they do research and things like that, then very often it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm comforted. Mm -hmm. You get the points for, for being open and, mm -hmm. and, and sharing that. So, so that well, was one also, of- it's it's just the right thing to do. And this kind of leads into a topic that um, I didn't make enough time for when we talked about the STDs, STIs. And there's actually laws in place that if you have some type of um, disease that you can spread to someone else and you do not inform them of that before you put them in the situation to possibly be exposed, you can be, what do you want to say? Not subject to law. Like, I mean, huh? Subject to the law. Subject to the law. And there's penalties in place for that. Very real penalties. Like spankings? So, no, not the fun penalties. We're talking about fines <laughs> and jail time. And yeah. you don't want to go to jail, Steve. You wouldn't yeah. make it. Right. So, you know, I did fail to make time to address that, that like it is, there's some laws in place to hold you accountable if you do not inform others. And it's found out later that you were aware and just didn't tell anybody before mm -hmm. you engaged in sexual activity with them. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Well, I just want to go ahead and be honest with y'all. Um, in my 20s, I really didn't have this conversation much because I was doing a lot of drugs. So don't do drugs, kids. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying um, I got sober when I was like 30, got into the scene a little bit after that, a couple years after that. And then realize, like, I really need to be having these conversations, not just, like, trying to use a condom. Um, because I feel like, you know, if you're not having these conversations, then accidents can happen. And, you know, you want to be open with everyone. And you want to be able to make informed decisions about your health and your body. Did you just get lucky then? Like, you're yeah, not, yeah. Okay, basically. so you just didn't have the conversations. Nobody talked about anything. So you are. I mean, I wouldn't say like never. I mean, I wouldn't say that I never had the conversation, but I feel like there's a lot of like one night stands and like random sexual partners you're having that you're not mm -hmm. having that conversation versus like maybe I would if I was going to be in a more long term serious relationship and. Um, I mean, usually you're trying to use a condom in those instances where you don't know the person well, but I can't promise like I've always used a condom all the time and, you know, when I didn't necessarily like have that conversation. So, but mm -hmm. I do want to point out that if you haven't had this conversation, I don't want people to feel like shamed because they haven't had this conversation, um, but now is a good time to start. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people have gone through a time period where it just didn't occur to them, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I have kids and I'm thinking like, you know, they might have like one sexual partner or something like that, you know, and it's like so innocent back then, you know, and then as you get older, then it's like you suddenly because more of an issue where you need to do it. So it's good practice. Mm -hmm. And also, so I also think it's interesting. I'm going to give two just random things that popped into my head. Um, when I was getting my undergraduate degree in nursing, I did some clinical hours at the student health clinic on campus where I went to school. And I was amazed by the amount of students that would come in to get tested and then would not come back to get their results. Really? So wow. they thought maybe something was going on, but then they were just too scared to come in and get mm -hmm. the results. And of course, we wouldn't tell them over the phone. They would have to come back to the clinic. Mm -hmm. And so we would have this stack of envelopes sitting there just waiting for them to come back. And we would follow up and say, you know, just come and let us talk to you. It doesn't mean it's a good or bad thing. This is just a result that we want to give you. Mm -hmm. um, and it was amazing, just the stigma, I guess, right. around or the comfort in the ignorance of, even though they took the steps to get there, to fill out the intake form to say, I'm here to be tested for STDs, but then would not come back for the results. I mean, and I feel like really I would talking. rather know versus not knowing just because yeah. you can do something about it if you are informed. But also coming from the perspective of if you did know, then you would have to do something about it and you might have to tell other partners. Right. And I'm then you dealing with that stigma again. 18, 19, 20 mm -hmm. year old. Mm -hmm. And again, it just is another example of not having the foundation of having those conversations right um, at an early age because it's not like we're taught this in school like how to have this conversation since sex education right. in our country right. is so terrible for the most yeah. part depending it, it, on where you yeah. live it is better in different areas but definitely when you're talking about alabama it's like yep. don't have sex the end 
Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, that's not that's realistic, the, right? Yeah. Like, don't have sex. You're married, and you have to worry about anything. Well, that's not yeah. real. So, I think Mississippi they can't even use like the words, you know, penis and stuff. So they have to be like, here's how you put your foot into a sock. Leave a little room at the edge of the yeah. sock as you put it on <laughs> your which is so bad. I mean, it's so bad. It's like good for the teachers that are like doing their best, you know, with that. But those restrictions are horrible. But then to me, that just fuels the stigma, which is, I think, something we want to address on That's this true. show um, is destigmatization. And so I think that better sex education would really serve us on multiple levels. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, Brandy, do me mm -hmm. a favor. Um, Destigmatize it for us. Can you go through like some of the what the key STDs, STIs are? And and you probably have to do it kind of quickly, you know, but um, not as much detail as what you did before. But like, you know, herpes, maybe start with that one and like tell people like why they don't need to be as scared about it as, as potentially they are right so you have the, the two that are considered incurable is going to be your genital herpes and aids um slash slash hiv hiv slash aids um and genital herpes can be something like you get exposed to you have that one initial outbreak and then you never have another outbreak in your entire life now the virus will still remain in your system um so you can't cure it or get rid of it, but you may never, ever have mm -hmm. another symptom of that again. And you have, there's other individuals that maybe have more frequent outbreaks. And all that means is that they will need to go on an antiviral medicine that they will take daily to keep those outbreaks at bay. And then with the goal of minimizing their outbreaks altogether. So it's even if it's an incurable situation, there's medicines in place to treat it to where it doesn't have to be a huge negative impact on your life or your sexual life. Um, does that answer that in terms of? Yeah. I mean, I've had personally, I've had partners, two partners that have told me that they've had genital herpes. We've discussed it. We've talked about it. We've talked about like their last outbreak or if they're on medicine or whatnot. And then we've proceeded on in, in the way we mm -hmm. wanted to, but it didn't impact us doing something or not doing something. It maybe impacted how we did it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Hey, let me, this is a good time since you were also talking about uh, HIV and AIDS. Um, let me share my experience, you know, which was like growing up in the 80s. Okay. So in the 80s, um, you know, first off, it's like the, the politicians just they didn't want to deal with it. Right. So it got ignored at first. Right. So you have really kind of bad information and then you kind of information's coming out and it's like it's a, a disease that's incurable. Right. So if you have sex with somebody who has AIDS, you're going to have AIDS and you're probably going to die and you get that fear. And that might have been true at some at some level back then. OK, but the point I want to kind of make is that you know, then the nineties hit whatever, you know, and I am, you know, getting married and, and, uh, and all, and so I'm not having all the sexual partners. So my education level on STDs and STIs kind of like stopped. It just, you know, sure. it wasn't something I was going and looking up anymore or whatever. So 20 years goes by and that it wasn't 20 years, I guess it was like, you know, between 15, 18 years goes by and, um, I'm divorced and, you know, I'm back in there into the, the dating pool and all that kind of stuff. 
and I'm learning like, oh, they have these drug cocktails now that they give people who have HIV and, mm -hmm. and AIDS mm -hmm. and it does amazing, just amazing. Yeah. And I, so like nowadays, I think it's like, if you're, if you're taking the, the drug cocktail, it's like your, your viral load, Brandy, you're going to be able to tell, say this better than me, but like your viral load is like so low that potentially you can have sex with somebody, you know, unprotected and not, not catch it because the, yes. the, the drugs are like that good. So there yeah. was such a difference between my perception of what I learned in the eighties and then went on for 20 years, not ever updating my knowledge on the subject. And then it was kind of really blown away about the progress that was made. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. There's um, yeah, you can take the medications to get your viral, um, your viral load to a point to where it's what we call undetectable in the blood. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it has been understood and studied that if it for, you know, 99.9% .9 cause you can't say a hundred percent effectiveness right. that if your viral load is undetectable, that means that that cannot be passed to someone else. Which is so, yeah, amazing and awesome. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of older people like me, like we would not know that, you know, we just have not been exposed to that information. So that's, again, that's part of that destigmatization. De well, we also, also have medications in place where if you have sex with someone and you end up getting exposed to it, um, it's almost like an, a, you know how there's like an emergency contracept contraceptive mm -hmm. you can take? It's like an emergency medication you can take to try to prevent your body from latching on to the virus. Oh, and, cool. and yeah, so they even have I that in did place. did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 Now, what about some of the other S STDs or STIs? Or I guess STIs. Can you destigmatize those for us, Brandy? Well, so it's hard for me to destigmatize them because for me personally, I've, I've already destigmatized them. Like, I think my biggest um, gripe in terms of the STDs in the testing world right now for me is if I go to a primary care or my OBGYN, since I have female parts that need to be checked in on it every once in a while, <laughs> and I tell them I'm in a monogamous relationship, which I'm not, but I'm just saying this might apply. <laughs> um, then they'll say, okay, then we don't need to do the STD testing. And I'm like, well, just because yeah. I think mm -hmm. I'm in a relationship that's monogamous right. doesn't mean that the other person that has told me is more monogamous actually is. And so are you saying cheating goes on? I'm saying I can. I've heard <laughs> not in it. America, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and so it irritates me that if you're you identify as monogamous that they will automatically say, then we don't need to do the STD panel. And I'm like, but I'm only one part of that equation. Yes, we mm -hmm. do. Like to me, that's mm -hmm. just a general I agree. yearly health screening, Yeah, you know? <laughs> and so if now, if I go and I'm like, yeah, I'm poly or I have multiple partners are like, oh yeah, let's do it. And so it's interesting that I have to, you know, signify that in order to get it ordered um, and, in, and covered by my insurance. So I think destigmatizing that if you're monogamous, that you should still get STD tests and that's okay. You mm -hmm. might not have a worry in the world, but at least you're, you're doing your due diligence every year at the, at minimum, just to make mm -hmm. sure you continue to be clear. And so. did you say this, uh, STDs, which is the disease, which means you're never, your body's never able to get rid of it a hundred percent. So that's your herpes and that's your HIV, Correct. but the others like chlamydia, for example, is yeah. an STI, it's an infection. And so yes. there's things that we can do to clear it up. 
Yes. So it's like if you go to the doctor and you you have a, they're not going to say if you have a sinus infection, they're not going to say you have a sinus disease. They're going to say you have a sinus infection. Here's some antibiotics. Same with an STI. They're going to say you have a chlamydia infection. Here's some antibiotics. And so it will clear it up. It will go away and it's considered curable. Okay. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. What name off real fast. What are the typical STIs just so people have a mental list in their head? Chlamydia, gonorrhea. We talked about herpes and um, HIV, of course. Syphilis is another one. Oh, goodness. Help me out here. Um, You have trichomoniasis, which Mm. is a, it's a sexually transmitted um, parasitic infection that's, that's um, transmitted to females. Mostly you can have bacterial vaginosis, Mm -hmm. which can be a sexually transmitted condition, but it can also be if I mess up the, the pH balance uh, in my vagina, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You can take antibiotics that will actually cause a yeast infection to happen because antibiotics will kill your good and bad bacteria. And so it's killing that good bacteria that you need for like a good environment. And so like a yeast infection you can get from sexual intercourse, but you can also get it from other things as well. So there's some that get a little bit more vague in mm-hmm. terms of how you want to signify them. Um, if you wear perfumes or there are some like feminine wipes that females or people will use. And if you don't react well to that perfume, that can cause one of those infections, but those infections you can also get through sexual activity as well. Does that make sense? It it does. And actually helps me a lot just to know that if it's a infection STI, that then it means like, oh, it's curable. And the STDs for the most part, we're saying like, oh, there's a lot of things we can do to keep, you know, keep them really low and safe. Did we mention HPV in there? We did not not. mention HPV. Thank you. Yeah. So HPV is one that is not curable. Um, It's considered a disease, but it is preventable in that there's a vaccine that's been Mm -hmm. established for it. Um, With HPV, I think the last thing I read, there's either 62 or 72 different types altogether. But the, the vaccine, the HPV vaccine covers the big group of ones that are known to cause cancer. And mm. so okay. that vaccine won't cover every single one, but it, it covers the most deadly ones. So it's mm. very important to get. And I yeah. believe they've just uh, widened the age range for who can or is recommended to get the vaccine. Yes, it used to be up to age 26. And now it just got moved up, I think sometime last year to like age 45. Oh, cool. So yeah, that's really great. Um, when I was younger, the HPV vaccine had just come out and it was, and Mm -hmm. and they still can do this now is they prefer for you to get the vaccine before you begin sexual activity. So you're protected against all the ones in the vaccine before you're exposed to it. But at this point they said, Hey, any protection at whatever time you want to get it, whether you've had one sexual partner or a hundred, any protection is better than none. And so that's good that we've kind of widened our range to 45 years old. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it came out when I was 27. Literally, they were like, you can't have it now. And I was yeah. like, I yeah. am. Why? I don't get right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some stigma against it in the beginning. It was mm-hmm. like, 
it was like if you've already had sex or like ah nope yeah they were kind of like well you probably have it yeah 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 so well you don't know that (laughs) yeah let's transition over to uh how to talk to people you know about it um because i think that's something that a lot of a lot of us deal with you know we want to know like what is you know hey i am nervous about talking to partners about like my my sexual health conditions or getting that information out of them so um kimberly you were saying like you don't necessarily have the talk a lot brandy do you have a certain style like that you well i guess kimberly now you probably would but um brandy you right. have a certain style like this, <laughs> <laughs> but is there a certain thing you do brandy so i i mean i just ask them um, I, first I have like a three date rule before I fuck anybody. Um, and so I'll usually bring it up on the first date. And I mean, I'll just bring it up because then that gives them the time to get tested and get the results before our first, second and third date are done. And we, you know, potentially fuck. I feel um, like that's pretty bold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on. <laughs> What'd you say, Kimberly? I feel like that was pretty bold to bring it up on the first date. I don't think I would do that. That's just me. Well, I mean, I bring up like the whole three date rule too. I'm like, I'm just letting you know, like this is, you know, this is great and I'm enjoying it, but like I have a three date rule and- So Brandy, are you like, hey- this is the de- first date, okay? But I'm probably might want to fuck you. Can you go get the STD testing and and show and have that ready for me by the third date so that we can take our <laughs> pants off? Is that how you do it? I don't say it exactly that way. Not not exactly um, that way. But I'm just like if they don't have like an up to date STD screening and there's anything that they're like concerned about it it and it depends on their reaction to and how they react to it. Like if they're mm-hmm. uncomfortable with it or they're shifting in their seat. Um or just kind of, you know, that that offers me the opportunity to be like, listen, like if your dick is going to be in me, like I want to know where it's been and that right. it's safe and whatever. Um, and I think that's pretty understandable. And I'm like, anyone want to make sure their mind's, mind's safe as well? Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you can just kind of downplay it or talk it down a little bit. Um, and then I also offer resources. I'm like, you can go to this clinic, like Nashville Cares, and get it oh, done. That's good um for free so it's not like they have to go to a you know a doctor and pay a big bill like Mm -hmm. I try to offer reasons to take away the reasons why they wouldn't get it done um there are some partners I've had that do have a current one and like when I say current I mean like last three months um and so I'm comfortable with that Mm -hmm. but there have been some people that we proceeded on and had some type of sexual activity without them having like an STD um, result to show me because I felt comfortable with them and I trusted them um, and had no, and so I had kind of made that judgment call myself. It, because you guys had talked and had a little sense of their history. Yeah, and it also depends on where you meet them too. Like, especially if I've met them within the community that we surround ourselves with, by the time I've met someone in that community, they're already usually comfortable with the consent-based model. They're comfortable talking about these topics. Um, Mm -hmm. They've been exposed to them. And so also, I'm not going to say there's like community pressure, but they also know that you don't want to maybe be untruthful to someone in the community Mm -hmm. because that can affect everyone around you. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? I don't know how to phrase that nicely. It does. Yeah. Okay. So what if you're, say, not in the community, like, 
how how do you go about i guess starting off the conversation is what i think steve wants to get at well i'll, I mean, I'll I basically just say you know because before we get to it I, I say you know i you know i have several partners and it's just the best thing for me and my partners is to make sure if i bring on another partner that that partner's safe so i'm not only looking out for myself but i'm looking out for everyone else i'm going to be with and so this is just one of those things that i talk about before mm -hmm. anything happens I, I had two sort of ways, I guess, that I've kind of done it when I was thinking, getting ready for this show. Um, the first one, Brandy's like, what, just what you said, like, there's no transition, right? So you can be in the middle of having conversations, say, hey, and just, you know, hey, let me stop for a second. And like, you know, let's talk about our sexual health, you know, and you just kind of go right into it. So I don't think you have to be all smooth about it. I think just the fact that oh, you're yeah, I'm like the last person to be smooth about anything. <laughs> I think everyone knows this by now. So, yeah. But you are like, do you treat it like think, remember, like this is going to be something that is going to be looked at as attractive. So when you're stopping it, you might think like, oh, I have to have this awkward conversation, but it's really going to, you know, score you points. I don't, I don't like saying that, but you know, it's going to make you more, more attractive. So just, just to kind of jump into it and it doesn't have to be a big deal. That's the other thing is keep it low key and just say like, Hey, let me just ask you, you know, this is my situation. Like what is yours, you know, and, and make it a safe environment so that they feel comfortable telling you and giving you like actually good, honest information where they don't yeah. feel like they, they have any pressure where they have to hide stuff. So that was, that was one is just to kind of not have a transition just to, just to do it. But two, um, I'm trying to think if I've ever done this before or not, but to, is to kind of go into it with a little bit of a sense of humor, you know, so to make it sort of fun, you know, and so you can be like, well, hey, I, I'm not going to do this now. But, uh, you know, if you're texting and you're in the middle of that, that sexy text that's going back and forth, you know, and then it's like, well, hey, you know, I don't mean I don't mean to change the topic, but, you know. I, you know, I need to know, like, this is like, I'm really interested in you. And I think I might really want to do something and you have to do this when it's appropriate, you know, and Hey, so like, I, you know, I'm clean, but you know, and what about mm -hmm. you? Do you have, have you done your, have you done your sexy STD test? Because that would really turn me on if you got mm -hmm. one, you just to make it, whatever, You're you know, so whatever works in your style. Yeah, whatever <laughs> works to get the topic brought up. Yeah. 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 And again, what you're doing is you're making, you're being sort of fun and playful about it, but you're making right. it easy that the person's yeah. going to feel comfortable. They are yeah. not going to be, have any pressure, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. So. For sure. And, um, Brandy, you want to summarize anything to, to, as we wrap things up? No, I think um, the biggest thing is that you before, you know, you start addressing it with someone else is you need to be comfortable addressing it with yourself. And so if that means you have to like practice your conversation or talk to your cat or dog and rehearse, you know, like if you're hesitant about, I mean, there can be some authenticity seen in hesitancy, but also if you're the one bringing it up, um, there is something to be said about the confidence in bringing that up and being able to bring it up in a way in a no pressure environment and just be like, this is just like something we talk about in between the appetizer and entree. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like just mm -hmm. the, it's a, it's something that needs to be discussed. And so you need to be comfortable with it. If you expect someone else to also be comfortable with it. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's good to talk to your partners about what, you know, if they have something or if you have something, you know, again, the yeah. destigmatization, there's so much stuff, things you can do that, you know, even if it's like herpes or something like that, you don't have to like touch the person in that area. You can like work out something different right. maybe. You right. Know? Yeah. So. Exactly. 
Well, thank you. Thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, if you would like to contact me, you can reach me at uh, Stephen at ethicalseduction.com. Check out our website, ethicalseduction.com for a lot more resources. We've been kind of trying to create it as a library so you can go there and look, look things up that are of interest to you. Same thing with the podcasts or the videos. You should be able to just kind of, you know, scroll back through to see what the other ones that we've got uh, so you can find things that you find interesting. Um, we are everywhere. We are on, we've got the website, ethicalseduction.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram. We've started Twittering. Are you Twitterers out there? And we're on. This is news to me. I know. I, we have, okay. I just started it like just a couple wow. weeks ago. So we have like, we don't have like any, I mean, we have some well, followers, yeah, but not many. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so follow us on Twitter. So we grow yeah, some well, followers. Well. Yeah. And um, we're also on FetLife. For those of you who know what FetLife is and those of you who do not know what FetLife is, you should go do your research. And mm -hmm. it's an awesome place. You know, can't can't say enough good things about it. Very safe. So check it out. And and, and then find us as Ethical Seductions on, uh, on FetLife and send us a friend request. And um, other than that, yeah, if you have any questions, things you'd like us to address, if you have topics you'd like us to address, reach out to me, you know, again, Stephen at ethicalseduction.com. And I think that's it. So thank you, Brandy. Thank you, Kimberly. You're welcome. And keep on creating the sex and the relationships that you want. <laughs>